Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. My guest today is Joe Seaman, and Joe is running for the New York State Assembly. And Joe decided to run before the pandemic hit. So, Joe, how long ago did you, first of all, are you and your family okay? Yes, uh, we are knock on wood. You can hear me knocking on my forehead there. Knock on wood, we're doing well. I hope you're doing well. And while we're doing well, we're also trying to be aware that not everybody else is. So when did you decide, I'm going to run for the assembly? Because I've known you for a number of years, and I think you sure. said this is the first time you've ever run. That's correct. So, so um, Cynthia, we have, we've known each other for a number of years, and I've been involved in lots of activist politics. I've been a state committee member with the Working Families Party for many years. I was a regional organizer, uh, organizing throughout upstate New York for MoveOn.org for a number of years, and, and decades of uh, supporting progressive politics, supporting candidates. I support other candidates, Kirsten Gillibrand, Barack Obama, Tedra Cobb, local candidates. I volunteered and supported other candidates. I've never run before, and I had people over the years tell me, hey, Joe, you've got a big mouth and some good things to say, uh, okay. you should run. And I, I've always had the excuse uh, why I couldn't, and I ran, kind of ran out of excuses. And I had a number of people say, this is an important time. Uh, we've got the New York State Legislature, uh, as, as we all know, uh, flipped the Senate, one house of legislature, yeah. to Democratic recently. We are able to pass some uh, powerful legislation, but there's a lot more to do. And this is a time where if we have a strong, progressive voice, unapologetically economic populist voice, standing up for the 99%, standing up against the richest 1%, having that voice in the assembly can make a huge difference uh, to take the Democratic Assembly and really push it to the bold action we need. So I've had people say, okay, this is the time, Joe, you've really got to run. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So I've had a number of people encourage me. Uh, I was thinking about it last year in the fall, and I announced my candidacy on January 6th. So January 6th, uh, and two months later, the whole world was turned upside down. So originally, what was your game plan for running, sure, and sure. how has it changed? So as a longtime organizer and advocate, uh, I've been involved with, along with many other uh, local uh, people, I've been involved in organizing rallies and protests and vigils and town halls, lots of public events where people come together and share their views and speak their minds. So that's something that I that I and many of us know how to organize well. And I've also done lots and lots of knocking on doors. Uh, and uh, I, the Working Families Party, for example, where I've been uh, a, a longtime state committee member, uh, gave me an award for getting uh, the most petitions, and that's when we get, get candidates on the ballot. So uh, that's a lot of door knocking that I've been doing for years and years, and we've got lots of volunteers in this campaign. Uh, we don't have lots of money. We don't have money from Wall Street or corporate interests, but we've got lots of people. So our plan was public events and door-to-door. 
So when the petitioning period, and that's the period of time when you have to get a certain number of petitions to get petition signatures to get yourself on the ballot, which began on February 25th, we had, I, th- I think, about 80 volunteers in total going door-to-door. I was going door-to-door. Uh, and in a little over two weeks before the governor uh, cut petitioning short, which was the right thing to do because of the coronavirus, we got we knocked out thousands of doors. We got more than eight times the required numbers of signatures to get me on the ballot as a working families and Democratic candidate. So that was our plan, and obviously that's all changed. So we had plans, door-to-door public events. That's our strong, our strength. Uh, and it's frankly a little more challenging now because we're going to have to focus right now on a more digital campaign. And as a matter of fact, uh, it's now May 1st. I don't know when this is going to be uh, this is going to air. I don't know if it's airing live. But on May 6th, in a few days, uh, my campaign is having its first virtual town hall on the issue of protecting the health of upstate New Yorkers in the age of COVID-19. And we'll be joined by a doctor from Physicians for National Health Plan. We'll be joined on by someone from the New York State Nurses Association. And it's actually May 6th is National Nurses Day. So that's our first foray into uh, digital, a digital town hall. It's right on our website, joeseaman.com. And uh, anybody can view it, and we're encouraging uh, residents of the 112th District, which includes uh, parts of Saratoga and Schenectady County, we're including them to get involved. And by the way, I have invited Mary Beth Walsh, the Republican incumbent who I'm challenging, I've invited her to be a full and equal to participant in this virtual town hall and everything uh, we do, because more important than whether people vote for me or vote for my opponent is that the voters, the citizens, get an opportunity to speak their minds and hear what the candidates of all parties uh, have to say. So that's what we're doing. We're going to a virtual campaign. We hope that in the not-too-distant not future we'll be able to knock on doors. We hope we'll be able to see people shake hands, give hugs to friends. We hope that that will be better and not not too long, but we're prepared for the fact that it might not happen even throughout the entirety of this election cycle. So we also have to really put, well, I personally have to put a big emphasis on the fundraising. And unfortunately, my opponent, uh, the Republican, has connections with Wall Street, corporate interests, and the billionaire class, and I don't. I just don't seem to have too many billionaire friends to give me money. So that, that's a challenging aspect because we'll have to do more mailings, uh, things that we when we can't go door to door, and mailing is, is an expensive proposition. So that right. part of it is particularly challenging, but we're doing it. Uh, we're going to be also organizing virtual house parties, which we're going to have a bit of fun with. We've got one, uh, a couple of them coming up later in May, and we've got a musician who's going to be singing a song or two, and, and actually a funny musician singing a funny song or two. So we're going to try and have parties as best we can virtually as opposed to the house parties in people's homes that we were hoping to have. So when you decided to run for the assembly, what were the most important issues that you wanted to address? Sure. So the most important issue is representing the people. And it's almost something that 
one shouldn't have to say in a uh, democratic republic. That should be a given. But unfortunately, we live in uh, a nation and a state which is a combination of a democracy or democratic republic and also has some elements of a plutocracy. Plutocracy being where the wealthy control the political system. So the most important thing above everything is representing the average people, the people who live in the district, the people of Saratoga and Schenectady counties, as opposed to representing the billionaires, representing Wall Street, representing lobbyists from K Street, uh, representing banks and oil companies and insurance companies. Uh, we don't we want to have a government that represents the average people, not just the richest one percent. And Every single issue ties to that. So my campaign is all about I'm going to listen to average people. I'm going to uh, represent average people. I'm not taking any money from corporate PACs, not taking money from Wall Street bankers, brokers, rich people. Uh, my campaign is doing phone calls, and we call our phone calling people phone bankers. So that's the only kind of bankers in my campaign are phone bankers, not Citibank or Key Bank or whomever bankers. So that's above all representing the people, uh, supporting the process of democracy as opposed to plutocracy, which is poisoning our political system in every single issue. And we know people are concerned about health care. Well, long before COVID-19, many of us were also concerned about health care, uh, concerned about putting the interests uh, the health of the people above the interests of the profits of insurance companies. So that's a big issue is health care, and, of course, all the more critical now in the, in the face of a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, big issue is protecting the environment. Uh, the wealth of upstate New York is not just the money we have in our pockets, but it is the environment uh, which is why many people live up here, uh, and we have beautiful mountains nearby and rivers and lakes, and we have to protect that. And we have to really protect the future. We're talking about our children, our grandchildren, their children, their grandchildren, future generations, and that's why we're talking a lot about climate change. As we have the issue now of a pandemic, who was thinking a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, how many people were thinking about pandemics? It wasn't really an issue in the front of our minds, but it's something we had to prepare. Right. And climate change is something that right now we're beginning to see the results of climate change. We saw those terrible fires in Australia. We've seen hurricanes on the East Coast and in Florida and Puerto Rico. So we be, we're just beginning to see the effects of climate change, but unfortunately those effects in a decade or two or three could be more severe. So it might not be right in the midst, in front of our faces, in our daily action yet, just as neither was the pandemic. So we should have been preparing for pandemics. Uh, we know that the Obama-Biden administration created a pandemic unit in the National Security Council, and our uh, illegitimate President Trump disbanded that. So we know that we need to prepare for pandemics, even when it's not an immediate crisis, well, the climate crisis is coming upon us, and we need to prepare for that. Uh, fortunately, taking bold action on climate 
can also uh, be a win-win in many regards because it can help us recover uh, economically. And before we knew that we were going to have a pandemic with a health crisis and an economic crisis, so many people being out of work, so much economic activity being halted, uh, we knew we needed to have green jobs. And now that we have an economic crisis, which will follow this uh, health crisis very strongly, very powerful, will hit a lot of people economically, uh, the green jobs can be integral to our economic recovery. So the main issues I'm running on is reform, reforming our political system, getting the interests of big money out and putting the interests of average people in, which connects to everything. So democracy as opposed to plutocracy, primary issue, issues of health care, putting our health before corporate insurance company profits, another big issue, and bold action on climate change, creating the jobs that can't be resourced, and putting the interests of our environment and our climate ahead of the profits of the oil companies and corporate polluters. Those are the main issues. But that being said, with these being primary issues, there are many other issues. And the bottom line is, as a candidate, I'm open to hearing what the constituents have to say. So if constituents have different issues that I haven't addressed, I want to hear about them. That's why I'm having a town hall on health care on May 6th, and that's why my campaign will be having continued town halls and will be listening to the voices of average people, not listening to lobbyists for the rich. Joe, you know, you talked about... Uh listening to people and people, you know, listening to your ideas. But when all is said and done, you know, candidates throughout the country espouse great issues. But when it comes to election day, they'll still pull the lever for the same people and and the average voter votes against their interests. What do you say to that? I say that remains to be seen. I think that we've seen a lot of forces uh, have different effects. We've seen uh, the uh, Russian oligarchy uh, wage a uh, wage a, a war online, wage a virtual war on American democracy uh, with the most sophisticated propaganda efforts in human history. So that's a factor. We saw that happen in 2016. Are we going to be better prepared for that? Maybe. Uh, we have seen the forces of plutocracy win, but we've also seen uh, the forces of a plutocracy defeated, and people vote for their economic interests. People voted for Barack Obama. People voted for Kirsten Gillibrand. Uh, we've got uh, elections coming up this year, and we're going to make the case that our, all of us, the economic interests of average people, are best served by the policies that I'm advocating and other working families, Democrats, Kramitz are, are, are advocating. So uh, we'll see. There's the voice of the people, and there's the voice of the billionaires. It's a struggle, and uh, we're going to talk to people about bread and butter economic issues and 
maybe uh, we'll see some different results this November. That's that's pretty commendable. Now, you live in, in Saratoga County, and you know I lived there for many years. Yes, you do. And Saratoga County is predominantly Republican. So um, given the fact that you got the rug pulled right from under you with the pandemic and the fact that the um, uh, numbers are not exactly in your favor, what do you think your chances of, you know, um, getting in office? So this district includes eight towns in Saratoga County, one town in Schenectady County. I'll briefly read off the towns, if you allow. Clifton Park, Half Moon, Boston, Glenville, Milton, Charlton, Galway, Providence, Greenfield. Uh, And, yes, their Republicans have a registration advantage in the district, but not as much as they used to. We've seen over the past couple of years, an increase in Democratic registration. We see that younger people, as they're registering to vote, are tending to register more as Democrats. So things are changing, number one. Uh, number two, this is a district where, yes, people voted in 2016 for Trump, but people voted in 2008 and 2012 for Obama. We've seen a district where uh, people voted for I, I had a, hesitate to mention the name of my opponent or, or the my Republican Congress member in the 21st district, but people have also voted for Paul Tonko. People voted for Kirsten Gillibrand. So uh, it's not a district that's entirely Republican. It's a district that's had a history of voting sometimes for progressive Democrats, but particularly for Democrats who speak to them. So I'm going to try and speak to the concerns of average people I've been listening. You know, we've been making calls. We're not knocking on doors. We were knocking on doors for a while. Now we're making calls. But mostly when we're talking to people, we're not telling them, hey, we want you to vote for Joe, or I'm not telling myself I want you to vote for me, or I want you to support health care for all. I want you to support this climate action. Mostly we're listening to what people have to say. So we're going to keep listening. I'm going to keep listening. Uh, I understand the Republicans have an advantage, uh, but I think it's all the more important to take a seat that has traditionally been Republican. Now it's held by a Trump Republican who uh, I would, you know, not mean to demean her as a person. She's a polite, professional, uh, decent human being in many regards, but who does nothing for the district. And I would ask uh, my opponent, the incumbent, if she's done anything of significance for the district, to, to let us know. She's not been involved with the budget at all. There are billions and billions of dollars that are being negotiated, and we want the people to have a voice. We want the people of this district to have somebody who's representing them. That hasn't happened. Uh, the incumbent hasn't done anything about any major piece of legislation that has passed at all in the three years Uh, that she's been in. So we're going to be listening to what the people say. We're going to be taking action to represent their interests, which I don't think the incumbent has really done. And I know it's an uphill struggle, but 
you know, just to give you a little bit of a metaphor, I know I hate to use sports metaphors because I'm not a huge sports fan per se, but but I'm a longtime jogger for decades, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's an uphill struggle. I like jogging uphill. I'm going to run uphill as hard as I can, and we're going to uh, wage this campaign uh, with everything we've got with uh, with all our hearts. And it's not just me. I've got an incredible uh, campaign team. Uh, can I give a shout-out to some of my campaign team just because uh, they really blow my mind. They, they're doing such great work. Uh, Moses Nelson, Ellen Egger-Imany, Susan Weber, Ansel Ash, Sammy Diragon, uh, Brian Frederick. We've got uh, Mark Bernard. We've got just a great bunch of people, not just myself, a great bunch of people who are working their butts off, uh, who really have their hearts into it. Because remember, we're not representing corporate interests. We're not doing this. We're not in it for the money. None of us, not my campaign team, uh, not me. Uh, I'm a retired uh, public servant. I worked as a software developer for the state of New York for over 30 years, and I'm fortunate, uh, fortunate I'm blessed to have a pension so I'm not doing this because I need the job, I need the money. Uh, we, I'm doing it, and my campaign team, uh, it's all about heart. You know, you brought up a very interesting thought. I'm also a retired state worker, and what I find very discouraging, and it's going to be even worse now, is the fact that many people who put a lot of years into a a company that they worked for winds up with no pension at all. So, you know, the fact that we've got pensions and, you know, the fact that we've got Social Security, we are very lucky people. How would you address the uh, fact that uh, the people who have pensions is diminishing substantially. Sure. So there's a lot that we can do. Uh, I think many uh, people in the capital region know about St. Clair as a hospital that closed, and the people who work there got ripped off on their pensions. Uh, they've had their pensions cut back, and that's a grave injustice. I've met with uh, one of the leaders uh, of the St. Clair's workers uh, who are out there calling for help, uh, and it's it's a real tragedy, as you're saying. People work decades. People put their hearts. You know, these were healthcare workers. People work in a hospital. People who not just were there for their paycheck and for their retirement, which every worker should have a decent retirement, but they were there to serve uh, the people. Uh, this was a hospital that was affiliated uh, with a religious institution, so they were serving their uh, their church, they felt. They're serving their community, uh, their neighbors. So it's a terrible tragedy that these people get ripped off. So we need to take action, and in the assembly, I will push for legislation, any kind of legislation that will protect people's pensions. You know, there's a lot of of uh, bold actions we can do that people aren't even talking about that I'd like to explore. So, for example, um, many people talk about government regulations. I'm going to digress a little bit. I'll bring it back to the pension issue. 
I mean, we'll talk about government regulation, and big businesses often complain about government regulation. They say regulations are, are an obstacle. But I'm going to tell you something. Regulations make business possible. So let's talk about corporations. Every corporation that exists today, small to the biggest corporations, uh, corporations are not people. They are an entities that are, exist only because of government laws and regulations. Without government laws giving protection from liability to the owners of the corporations, corporations as they know them would not exist. So we're doing a lot for businesses, for corporate entities. They don't; even, they would not even exist as they do without government. So therefore, we can make government regulations that make them responsible. Every corporate entity uh, should be responsible. We can make laws that will keep them from taking their pension funds and squandering them, uh, from creating pension funds that will be uh, short while the corporation or the entity is taking money and using the money to pay corporate salaries, to do stock buybacks, uh, or, or somehow give the money to the wealthy owners. Uh, we can force corporations to be responsible. So being responsible to the pensioners is a, a primary responsibility uh, of every business uh, where there are pensioned employees, and we'll take legislative action to force them in every strongest way. So the interests of the pensioners are my top concern. As a matter of fact, we're recording this today on Friday, May 1st, on May Day. Uh, May Day is a day that we stand up around the world for workers' rights. And here in the capital region, there's going to be a May Day caravan this afternoon starting out at Lincoln Park. I'll be joining that caravan. We won't be like these anti-shutdown protests, as they call themselves, who are ignoring social distancing and clamoring at the state capitals. We've had them in Albany and state capitals around the country, and they stand next to each other, and they're probably spreading uh, the coronavirus while they're doing this. We won't be standing together. We'll be in cars, socially distanced. We won't be spreading the virus. So there'll be a caravan in our cars today supporting the rights of working people. And I've been standing for working people for decades. I received an award. We were talking about the solidarity um, technic uh, before uh, before we got on, on air, where, uh, where I'd seen you there last year. The Solidarity Committee of the Capital District gave me an award, I believe it was 2009 uh, or so, uh, for being a long-time uh, labor supporter. I've walked the picket lines. I can't tell you how many momentive uh, workers, the hotel workers, the hospital workers at Ellison, Albany, Med, uh, I've walked the picket lines. Uh, I'm a retired a union member, but I'm still a union member as a retiree, and so I will put the interests of working people and the pensioners as my top priority. Terrific. I think that's really important. So, um, you know, I'm running as a working family party member or a Democrat in Sarasota County. 
it it's tough. And if you like running uphill, you're running uphill now. So um, my hat is off to you. That's terrific. You know, you've been involved in um, in in movements for a long time. The fact that people really don't get as involved as as they should be does that discourage you? Well, you know, it's it's hard to uh, put you know to put yourself in other people's shoes. Uh, so I have some friends. Uh, I and I, again, I, while I'm comfortably middle class, I have friends who are not as comfortably middle class, and friends who. I speak to and talk about politics, and I say, hey, we're going to have a caravan today in Albany supporting workers. Can you join us? And they say, hey, Joe, no, I've got to deal with my kids, and I've got a job, and I've got this. And and even while many people are are off from work during the coronavirus, we know there have been people who have had two and three jobs, people who've struggled, uh, and not that I haven't. You know, I've got children. Fortunately, my Children are are grown, or they do have grandchildren. I like to spend some time uh, with them, too. Uh, But people have a lot of things going on in their lives. So I understand that not everybody has the same luxury that I have. There are people who have to work two or three jobs. People have got to spend uh, more time doing all the things that kids and family require. There are people who have health issues who can't get out there as much as I. So I say... I'm doing my best. I've been doing my best for decades. Cynthia, you're doing your best. Uh, we call on all our friends to do what they can. So uh, I'm not discouraged. Yes, I would like people to be more aware of how politics affects their own lives. So I hear from people who say, oh, politics, yuck, I hate politics. It's disgusting. It's <laughs> dirty. It's awful. And sure, they're right. And, of course, all you have need to hear is the politician-in-chief uh, look at his tweets or, or watch watch him insult people uh, and come up with insanity like injecting yourselves with, with bleach or, or shining flash bulbs in your orifices or, or whatever he wants us to do. Uh, so I understand how people can look at that and look at phony politicians uh, and hear them say things that sound like a whole bunch of baloney and be turned off. I understand that, but we have to uh, keep reminding people, that's what I'm doing, that politics means how much money is in your wallet. You know, there's a, a someone on Jeopardy, they asked a question about what's uh, about uh, uh, an advertising slogan, and some bank says, what's in your wallet? Well, what's in your wallet is not a function of the credit card company that advertises it. What's in your wallet is a function of our political decisions. So we have a budget just passed a few weeks ago. Uh, that budget uh, could have take, could have made the billionaires pay their fair share of taxes. It could have reversed ridiculous giveaways and loopholes for corporate interests and Wall Street and rich people, uh, and it unfortunately didn't, uh, and, which means that there's going to be cuts to our schools, cuts to our programs. So what our schools are about, the kind of education our children, and even if you don't have children yourself, the children in our community and the future of our whole state and our nation, uh, the type of education they receive, that's politics. The quality of our environment, our polluters going to be able to uh, burn coal, create
create acid rain, destroy the Adirondacks, create climate change, or are we going to transition to clean energy? These are very important decisions that are all politics. So as, as awful, as a, much of a pain, as disgusting as politics can be, uh, politics is all about our lives. So, yes, we try to inform people and remind people that politics is important. Uh, we're trying to get people involved. And uh, I'm not terribly discouraged because I'm finding there are people uh, who I talk to who, who are struggling economically, and they've given me $3, $5, $10, $20 contributions. So mm-hmm. people give when they can. Uh, there are people who volunteer and show up when they can. So, yes, it's discouraging. Uh, we know there's all kinds of distractions out there. Uh, there's the Kardashians and God knows what else, uh, what other kinds of opiates of, of the masses we have to distract people from politics. But de- democracy is not a spectator sport. Uh, we're encouraging people to get involved uh, and it's something that I've been doing, uh, something perhaps you've been doing, and many people have been getting involved, and it's all about fighting for what's right, fighting for our communities, for our families, and that's what we're trying to express. And we're going to keep talking about it, and we're going to keep encouraging people to participate in any way they can, and at the very least, show up and vote. So, Even if it's mailing in a vote. doesn't mean you have to show up at the polls, mail in a vote. So in that closing moments, Joe, if somebody's interested in being a part of your campaign, donating their time or money, how can they contact you? Sure. So my website is joeseeman.com, J-O-E-S-E-E-M-A-N, joeseeman.com. You'll find me on Facebook, Joe Seaman for Assembly, Fighting for the 99%, on Twitter, uh, at Joe underscore Seaman, and you can Google search me. And I don't just want people who are already supportive of health care for all and, and uh, climate change action, green jobs, and all of these things, but I want people who are concerned, people, even people, whether Democrats or Republicans or independents or, or any party or no party, uh, I want people to reach out to my campaign, reach out to give us their opinions. We're open to hearing from different sides. I welcome any good idea if it comes from uh, a Republican, that's fine too. Uh, Our campaign and the policies I'll be supporting is based on facts and science. So please go to joeseeman.com, find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and not just support me. Yes, please support if you make a contribution, if you can volunteer your time, that's great. But please let us know what you think are the things we should be doing. Because bottom line, I want to represent the people, uh, and I want my Republican opponent to also hear the voices of people. That's why our May 6th town hall, and by the way, it's in the May 1st uh, Times Union edition, uh, is a mention of our May 6th town hall, uh, and I've invited my opponent, the incumbent to be an equal participant in the town hall and to be an equal participant in all our public forums. So we want the people to hear what we have to say, what I have to say, what my opponent has to say, and I want to hear what the average people, not just the corporate lobbyists, not just 
the people who have a lot of money to spend uh, to share their voices all too loudly. But I want to hear what the average people have to say. So thank you, Cynthia, for giving this opportunity uh, on your show. Thank you for giving the people an opportunity to hear different voices. So please, folks, go to joseeman.com. Share your support. If you've got negative things today, that's okay. We can take that, too. Uh, let's all be in touch. Let's be in touch online, and let's look forward to a day where we can shake hands and, and see each other in person. Thank you. You've been listening to Joe Seaman. And what what uh, assembly district are you sure. running in? So I'm running for the 112th assembly district. And one more okay. note. Do you know how many billionaires New York has? There are 112 billionaires in the state of New York. So here's what my campaign is. My campaign is to represent New York's 112th district, not New York's 112 billionaires. Oh, that's funny. That's good. So you've been listening to Joe Seaman, who's running for the New York State Assembly. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany, and if you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, download on your smartphone, subscribe to iTunes. If you have a comment about this show, hashtag Focus on Albany. Good luck, Joe. Stay safe, stay well, and thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you also stay safe and stay well. Have a great day. Stay safe and stay well, Cynthia, and everyone.